You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. the 24th, 1988, that Janelle Spain and her friend Karen Himmel decided to go on a little vacation, and they decided to go camping about two miles north of Niagara Falls, and then they thought, hey, let's just have an enjoyable time, let's kind of unplug, and one of them had bought a new boat, and, and so they decided to take this new boat out on the river. And they were just kind of amazed at God's beauty. And, and they turned off the motor and just kind of drifted and just, just having an enjoyable time. I mean, just catching up on life. I'm sure they maybe napped a little bit. And, and they, they were just having fun. They, they watched the sunset. And they were amazed by that. And, and then they said, yeah, you know, it's probably time for us to get back to our campsite. Well, of course, it started getting dark. And. And they began to look for the canal that led to their campsite. And they, they looked and looked, and, and they quickly realized they may be a little lost. And, and then they came upon some gates. And they well, maybe these gates will lead to a canal that leads to our campsite. It, it was about that time that Tom and Sheila Hodges were going to a movie. And, and then they noticed on the river that there was this little boat that was in a forbidden area, that no boats were ever supposed to travel on this area uh, because there was a dam there that actually controlled the flows to Niagara Falls, and it was called the point of no return. And so Sheila gets out, and she's watching the boat, and, and Tom runs, and, and he's going for help. And it was about that time that these two young ladies in their 20s, they're, they're traveling down this river, and they realize that they can hear the dam ahead. And they realize they're in trouble. And, and so they're trying to, to move the boat around, but the current is just too powerful at this point in time. And so they're traveling, they're traveling, and next thing you know, they go off this dam, and it's about a 20-foot drop. They're screaming, they're yelling, they're scared. Somehow, the boat ends up upright, and both of them are still in the boat. But then they realize the falls are ahead. So they jump out of the boat, and they began swimming. They got their life jackets on, and they're swimming. But the current is so strong, and it's just bringing them closer and closer to the falls. Well, by this time, some of the first responders get there. They're shining lights looking for them. Again, it's dark by this point in time. And, and they find Janelle, and she's about 500 yards from the falls. And they're encouraging her, hey, swim to the light, swim to the light. And, and they get her to shore, they rescue her. But they're concerned about Karen. They, they think that she might have possibly drowned. They, they've lost sight of her, they don't know where she's at. And so they're, they're looking and looking and looking, and they're doing everything they can to find her. And then finally someone spots her about 350 yards from the falls. And at this point in time, she is just drifting in her life jacket. She is exhausted from trying to swim, trying to battle the current. 
And, and then a first responder gets there. And, and, and he gets hooked up, and he grabs her out of the water. Seconds later, the boat, their boat go, goes crashing over Niagara Falls. These ladies were just moments, just moments away from most likely losing their life because they failed to pay attention and they drifted. As Monica mentioned today, we're starting a new series called Experiencing Jesus. And we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews actually for the next couple of months. And one of the things that I'm going to encourage you to do is I would love for you to read two chapters of Hebrews each day. Two chapters, and, and just over the next couple of months, just keep on reading Hebrews over and over and over again. We just want God's word just to, man, just to penetrate our hearts. And I want you to circle, and I want you to highlight, and I want you to think, man, there's just so many incredible things in the book of Hebrews. It's filled with Old Testament quotations. It's, it's filled with imagery of the Old Testament that you'll see. Now, Hebrews is a very unique book. I believe it was Sam Storms that said, imagine Hebrews like this. You, you find a, an envelope that has a letter, and it looks pretty important. And, and we'll just pretend like you guys found this in one of the pew chairs. And, and, and you think, well, you know, I need to get it to its rightful owner because, you know, I'm a good Christian, and I want to return stuff when, when it doesn't belong to me. And, and so you look. But it doesn't have a name or an address. It doesn't have a city or state or doesn't even have a country. And so you think, well, let me look at the return address. It doesn't have a return address. It just has a stamp. That's all it has. Now, you don't want to be nosy, but you think, I really want to get this letter to someone. And so you open up and you think, well, maybe it will say... Like, Dear CHCC, or Dear Bob Longfield, or, or Dear Carolyn Lambert, but it doesn't have that. It just goes right into the meat of the letter. So then you turn to the, to the back and at the very end, and you think, well, maybe it will say, Sincerely, Sonia Guerra, or Sincerely, Kat Hadoski. But it doesn't have that either. That's the book of Hebrews. We don't have a ton of details about the information about the book. By whom was it written? We don't know. There's a lot of people that speculate that it was Paul or Barnabas. I've heard Aquila and Priscilla. There, there's lots of people that we speculate, but we don't know by whom it was written. Where was it written? Again, we don't know. To, to whom was it written? Anybody know? We don't know. There you go. You're catching on, okay? We, we don't know. We speculate it might be the church of Rome, church of Jerusalem, Alexandria, or maybe even a church in Italy, but ultimately, we don't know. Where was it sent? We don't know. When was it written? We don't know. Now, let me put a, a little bit of context here. Most likely, it was written before the fall of Jerusalem, uh, before uh, A.D. 70, uh, because there's references to temple rituals that were being done, and that wasn't in the past tense. That was currently being done. And so we believe that this was written uh, before the fall of Jerusalem. What is the purpose? 
We actually may know a little bit on this. We, as you read through the book of Hebrews, that you will see that it, it addresses a Jewish uh, Christians who at one point in time was in Judaism but came to know Jesus Christ and began to believe in him. They were persecuted and there was this temptation to drift back to Judaism. There was a temptation to maybe drift back to the old covenant. And we're going to see the author of Hebrews really encourage this group of people, this group of Jewish Christians, not to do that. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 2, we're actually going to, to jump into to Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to start there, and then we'll backtrack to, to chapter 1. But Hebrews chapter 2, verses uh, 1 to 4, it says, Therefore... We must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, every transgression of disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It, it was declared first by the Lord. It was uh, attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit disputed, distributed according to his will. Let's stop with the word therefore. Your translation might say for this reason. Really the author is saying because. Because of what you've heard. Now the question is what did they hear? Because of what they've heard you need to pay attention and not drift away. But we want to turn back to Hebrews chapter 1, and we want to see what they heard. And in verses 1 to 4, we're going to see this beautiful imagery that we'll see several sentences here in our English translations, but it's actually one constant sentence in Greek that's over 70 words. And it says this, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The writer of Hebrews makes it very clear that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. That's the introduction, that he is the Son. Now, what does that mean? He's the heir of all things. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of the universe. He's seated at the right hand of God. He is in the highest place of authority. He is above all, including the angels, which if you read Hebrews chapter 1 this week, you will see over and over and over, it makes it clear that the Son, that Jesus is higher than the angels. Now, we'll talk about the importance of angels a little bit later, but just kind of put, make a little footnote that the angels also gave the law. God gave the uh, law through the angels to Moses, and there was a high respect for the angels. And then we also see the sun was the radiance of God's glory. 
I want you to kind of think about that this week. I want you to kind of just, man, meditate on the sun is the radiance of God's glory. I, I want you to think about when Moses got the law and he came down from the mountain. Some of you remember this. His face glowed so bright that they had to put a veil over it. The glory, God's glory, the radiance of God's glory. I, I was trying to think about when we kind of have that radiance. And, and there's been a, a few times that I kind of see this happen on a regular basis. You know, when there's a wedding here, and you have the groom standing up here, and the very first time he sees his bride in that wedding dress, and she's walking down the aisle, man, he's just grinning from ear to ear. There, there, there's just this glory about him. Or that first time that you hold that child or that grandbaby, I mean, you are just smiling. You're just beaming from ear to ear. There's just this happiness. I wonder how often we have God's glory shining in our life. Because if we're followers of Christ, if we're followers of Christ, does God's glory shine in our life? It may, maybe it's easy on Sunday morning for it to happen, but what happens on Monday? When you go to work? What happens when the kids get on your last nerve? What happens when your spouse really irritates you? If we're to be the reflection of Jesus, we should be reflecting God's glory. And again, I just want you to think about this over and over this week. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And then lastly, he cleanses us of our sins. He cleanses us of our sins. Man, that is, when you, when you think about what Jesus Christ has done for you so that we can have eternal life, that is the son. The author of Hebrews in, in chapter 2 says, pay close attention or you'll drift away from experiencing Jesus. Uh, our culture has a hard time paying close attention, right? Or whether that's in school or we're multitasking or I think we've all been around the guy uh, on screen that's trying to drink coffee and talk on the phone and do multiple things. I think we've also uh, had a spouse or had a friend that you're trying to tell a story, you're trying to talk, and they're not paying attention. The word for drifting is an interesting word in the Greek. Uh, picture yourself in a boat or a canoe, and, you, and you're heading to a docking point on the shore with a very swift current moving the river. And, and you know where you want to, to land, but you've got to be very, very careful. You've got to be very careful not to stop paddling or turning off the motor too soon, and, or the current will pull you and make you drift downstream where there's danger, maybe even waterfalls. We need to pay close attention to the docking point, or we will drift away. The writer of Hebrews is warning his audience, pay attention, pay attention, or you may drift toward Judaism. You may drift toward Judaism. I think the message for us would be that we have a have a danger of not drifting toward Judaism, but I think we have the danger of drifting toward sin. If you should 
choose not to pay attention to Jesus, not to consider him, to look at him, to think about him, to pursue him, to study him, to trust him, and to love him, if you choose not to listen to him and to the various messages by the angels, by signs and wonders, by miracles, by the Holy Spirit, you are headed to danger. There will be consequences. As I mentioned earlier about angels, in Galatians chapter 3, there's an emphasis about angels, and I think it's found here. Galatians 3.19, it says, Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child. That coming of the child is Jesus, who was promised. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and his people. God gave his law through the angels. And if you look in the Old Testament, there were consequences when you broke the law. And there are consequences today when we drift away. But I think the author here is is saying this out of love. He's saying drifting away is not only dangerous, but you're missing out on something really precious. You're missing out on the sun, the creator of the world, the radiance of God's glory. You're missing out on experiencing Jesus. Proverbs 4.27 says this, Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Does anybody have a hard time with getting sidetracked or getting distracted? Let me tell you, I do at times. Yesterday, I was actually working on this message, and, and Monica, she calls me and says, Ronnie, we got this big water leak out here. And so, man, I jump into action, and, man, I'm calling plumbers and, and all of those things. And, and man, I'm thinking, man, I got, we got to get the water going for, uh, for uh, Sunday. And, and, man, my mind is just sidetracked. And in, in the midst of the drive over here, God just reminded me of, of this verse, Proverbs 4.27. Don't get sidetracked. I said, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm just going to leave it up to you. And, and I'm going to just, this is, this is your problem. And if we don't have water this morning, we don't have water this morning. I mean, you, I mean you're bigger than plumbing problems. I think so many times we can fall into that category, can't we? That we just get overwhelmed with life. And, and it can be plumbing problems, it can be electrical problems, it can be health problems. But we've got to be very careful about paying attention and being connected to Christ. I, I want you to repeat this phrase with me. Focus determines direction. Focus determines direction. One more time. Focus determines direction. What you're focused on determines what, where you're going to go. If you're focused on Jesus, then you're going to get closer to him and you're going to reflect his glory. You're going to reflect him in your everyday life. But if you're focused on plumbing problems and other issues, then guess what you're going to do? You're going to drift away. Now, I want to get really practical here for you. I want to give you some warning signs of drifting. I want you to kind of think about this. I want you to ask yourself, how's your journey with God, and are you drifting? And then up on screen, you're going to see some warning signs. Number one, are you neglecting spiritual disciplines? 
When's the last time you've read God's word? When's the last time you've prayed? When's the last time you've fasted? When's the last time you've worshiped? If you're not doing those on a continual basis, there's a possibility that you may start drifting. When you start neglecting community, that's a sign that you might be drifting. When you start saying, ah, you know, do I really need to be here on Sunday morning? Do I really need to go to a life group? Do I really need to be a part of Bible study? Do I really need to hang out with other Christians? Satan loves for us to be isolated. He loves for us to be isolated. He does not want you here on Sunday morning. He does not want you to come to Bible study at night. He does not want you to come to life group. He loves for us to go and do our own thing. And it's so easy when we're not part of community to drift away. Another sign of drifting is holding on to pride and unconfessed sin. When you begin thinking, I know I shouldn't, but does God really care about this sin? Does God really care? It's not hurting anyone. It's, it's just, I can do whatever I want. When we avoid accountability in our life, we can drift. We need people in our life to ask us the hard questions. How's your quiet time? Pretty quiet. We need people saying, hey, how's your marriage? How's your thought life? Are there sins that you're struggling with in your life? We need truth tellers and we need people in our life that when we begin to drift, that pulls us back and says, hey, I love you enough to tell you some hard things and you need to get right with God. When we have misplaced affections, we can drift. When we put things above God, whether that be entertainment or hobbies or your job or your family, there's a whole list of things that, that want to crowd out God in your life. When you just go through the motions, it might be a sign of drifting. When we can just come here and we can greet people and we can sing and we can shake our heads and, and we can even pray. But when you just start going through the motions, when you're in that spiritual rut, it's real easy to drift when we overschedule, when we have so many things going in our, on in, in our life, it's really easy to drift because it's hard to hear God because we just have so much noise and we get stressed out and we get exhausted. And, and, and when we're exhausted and we're stressed out, it's so easy to sin and it's so easy to drift. When we experience broken relationships in our life, that's really easy. When, when things aren't going well with my wife, guess what? I have a tendency to want to drift. Or things aren't going well with a friendship or my kids. Now, this one isn't up here, but, but I'm just going to say it. Sometimes we just have major life events that happen. It might be the loss of a job. It might be a diagnosis. It might be the loss of a loved one. But sometimes when we experience these major things in our life, uh, we can either run toward God, or I've also seen a lot of people drift away. And it's a choice that we have to make. We have to decide who we're going to be focused on. 